Hello and welcome back to Spotlight on Women in Health Ventures, the podcast powered by Thea, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering women as entrepreneurs in healthcare. Jay Goldstein is head of program at Petri. Before coming to Petri, she founded the MIT Communication Lab along with the Department of Biological Engineering. This lab was created in an effort to teach scientists and engineers to communicate effectively. Jay created the bridge between the School of Engineering and the Communication Lab, making it a resource for emerging scientists and engineers. After joining MIT, she worked as Director of Strategic Projects and Innovation Grants at Harvard Initiative for Learning and Teaching. Now she's the head of programs at Pillar VC and Petri, which creates a new approach to funding formation stage biology and engineering startups. It is co-founded by entrepreneurs and academics who have a deep understanding of human health and sustainability. Petri is specifically tailored for entrepreneurs in the biology and engineering fields. Jay, it is such a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. It is so exciting to meet someone who's so passionate about empowering entrepreneurs and scientists to reach their full potential. We wanted to hear from you. How did you decide to engage with this type of work? It is so awesome to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, it's funny, you know, I did not like set out to have this be my career path. It sort of evolved over time. I started off my career actually in the education sector. Truth be known, my, my very first steps were around being an, an elementary school teacher uh, and then slowly worked my way up into administration and then higher ed and Looking back, it all sort of makes sense that, you know, I've always been drawn to very entrepreneurial roles and very entrepreneurial uh, organizations. And when I eventually made my way to MIT, that was the first time where I really got to spread my entrepreneurial wings and see what what happens. And I realized like, wow, there's actually a name for this, it's, you know, entrepreneur. And, uh, and so then that got me really excited. And actually, while I was at MIT, um, I got really involved with the Sandbox Innovation Program just when it was launching. And that was the first time I knew I like learned there was a framework around entrepreneurship and words and concepts that were related to the things I was doing innately. And that got me really, really, really excited about this idea of like, oh, there's this whole career path for people who love stuff like this. And then at Harvard, I helped, you know, folks who were thinking about launching new ideas, faculty, staff, and eventually students in the education sector. And that's when I got really interested in this stuff. And then uh, a colleague of mine from MIT invited me to help build a brand new firm with a really strong and exciting thesis. And I would not have said 20 years ago that if you'd asked me at this age what I'd be doing in my life, I would be in venture capital. But uh, I'm really happy to be here. And it's an awesome, it's an awesome place to be. I was wondering if you could talk about this bringing innovation to the table in a large institution like Harvard or MIT. Yeah, there's this there's this word that I'm not sure that everybody knows as much as they know the entrepreneurship word, but there there's another word for people who launch things within organizations called entrepreneurs, and they're also really really important. And I would I would say that I've been a serial entrepreneur more than I've been an entrepreneur. But an entrepreneur in my mind is almost more challenging than being an entrepreneur. Because one of the things that you have to figure out is how to listen really carefully to the cultural nuances, what's important, 
where the roadblocks are, where the red tape is, how to align with existing sort of values and protocols and systems and structures. And so there's this like vision of where you want to be. And then there's all of the infrastructure that you've got to figure out and the politics. And in some of these places, the politics are quite substantial, um, of figuring out how to weave what you want to do and where you believe uh, you need to build and where you need to head with figuring out how to do things like leverage existing resources so that you can be very sneaky. The way I, the way I thought about it at MIT was it was like, I was there for about five years building the MIT Communication Lab, which is a lab to help engineers learn to communicate more effectively. I built it pretty much from scratch, first in the biological engineering department and scaled it to become a school of engineering wide resource to, to help train this next generation of scientists and engineers on sort of communicating primarily, to be honest, technical communication to other technical audiences. A lot of people, when they hear communication, they think, oh, that's like public health or public, you know, public communication or, you know, talking to lay, lay audiences. But there's a, a giant hurdle first in making sure that engineers know how to talk to each other, uh, which is really important to help with collaboration and, and results and outcomes and all of those things. But um, a huge piece of figuring out what to do is like, like a five-year chess game and figuring out where you want to be heading and then the moves you need to be making in order to, to do that. And so at Harvard, it was very similar of figuring out, you know, hey, there's this, there's these funds for faculty to innovate, but what if we had a fund for students and figuring out how to leverage internal and external resources, bringing in your own money, bringing in the right people at the right time and figuring out you know, which fight you want to take on and, and which one you, you want to say, let's just do it the way it's already existed because I, I just, momentum is critical and this is not the fight to, to take on. So there's a lot of things, figuring out how to um, maneuver within the infrastructure of large places. So there are a lot of things that make innovating within an organization and a big one at that, where there's lots of systems and lots of layers of hierarchy, very challenging. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about this crossover of your experience in education and academia and how that informed or brings skills to the table in your work in venture capital and in the startup world in general. You're exactly right. It is exactly the same. And it's funny because the stuff that I, I did innately, I didn't realize that, as I said, there was a framework and there were like language about this stuff. I think I am probably one of those like innate uh, entrepreneurs. And then when I started realizing like, oh, there's like a whole section in the bookstore that's about stuff like this, I like went bonkers. And when I was at MIT, the first, I would say year two, and the nuclear science and engineering department said, hey, could you do this for us too? I was like, scale, scale, this word scale. I need to learn everything I possibly can about scaling. And so I would like literally read every book that like business book that was out there to teach me about scaling. Uh, I was applying it in a very different context, right? But I, for a long time, borrowed a lot of like concepts and language from the business world as soon as I realized this was a thing and a lot of practices. And one of the things that I, that I did at MIT, which was basically giving myself an MBA um, while I was there, I, I feel like I got an MBA and a PhD at MIT in each of the fields I had to learn a whole lot um, in order to be able to deliver useful resources and content that was useful. And the MBA... I would read every business book that was out there and then I'd write the author and I'd be like, so you wrote this book. I I'm trying to apply it to this lab I'm launching at MIT. I have this very specific question. Do you have a few minutes that you could lend me to, to brainstorm with me? And almost always they were like, I'm sure. 
this sounds pretty cool what you're doing to help engineers. And even more often, this was obviously before COVID, people would be like, it ends up like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in Boston in two weeks. You don't want to just have coffee. And it was like, yes, I would love to have coffee. And so I was just unabashed in asking for help from the world's leaders in helping me learn everything I could about business and innovation while I was doing that. And it 100% translates over. Um, a huge piece of what I do, since I'm not the, the technical expert at Petrie or Pillar around any of the areas that we invest in, um, a lot of what I do when I work with our founders is thinking about how to support them. You know, we often work with first-time founders, often who are technically minded and don't often get the training that you get in an MBA program around some of these things that are really critical to scale uh, companies and to start companies. And so a lot of the management experience and launching experience that I have met from launching things at Harvard and at MIT um, and in my previous life are absolutely things that we talk about with the founders uh, who are transitioning into these new roles. Uh, for the first time, they're managing people and they're sprinting and trying to figure out there's way too much to do. What's important? How do I make sure what's important right now is the right thing? And how do I balance outcomes and goals and stakeholders and rapid innovation while quality control? And how do I, one of the things you often see is, is new founders struggling as I had in the past as well with, you know, gosh, I want to quality control everything that's happening, but I can't be everywhere at once. How do I delegate? How do I trust my teammates to be able to, how do I create a culture where everyone cares as much as I do about the outcomes? These are all such essential things that make or break companies. And the people, the people component is so enormous. I feel like so many times when you're working with technical founders, first with an idea, and then once they start hiring people, they realize, oh, wait, this is actually a people business. This isn't just an idea business. And so you do see a big aha moment with a lot of folks realizing that, that all of this other stuff is really, really important too. Jay, we wanted to learn more about how you got involved with Petri in the first place. We talked about how 20 years ago, you would have never imagined yourself in this situation. So we kind of want to see what was this roller coaster ride that when you looked at this opportunity, you were like, this is what I want to do next. I will say this opportunity came to me, which was cool, really cool. I would say my first year that I was launching the communication lab at MIT, I had just an absolutely extraordinary group. And there's always something when you're launching something, that first group that launches with you, it's, it's magical. Same thing at Harvard. When I launched a new program at Harvard, that first cohort, something happens when you're all in the great unknown together that is just really special. But at MIT in particular... I had 10 students who I handpicked to be my first cohort of communication fellows. And I, I put an enormous amount of trust and respect in their hands to say, this is our, you know, our one shot to give this a go. Uh, but that first year, one of those fellows was a man named Tony Kalesa. And he kept me very honest. He, I think, threatened to quit many times because he was like, you know, I need to make sure this is a good use of my time and energy and blah, blah, blah. But he was a tough sell and he kept me really honest. And one of the things that he was super uh, impassioned about was this idea that MIT is across the street from the global headquarters of the biotech industry. But like, why are there so few dotted lines and connections between those two things? Uh, especially, and this was almost a decade ago, if the most common career trajectory is actually not academia anymore out of these programs, then like, what are the other career pathways and how should 
uh, institutions be better prepping and preparing students for success in those alternative pathways, which are now actually not really alternative pathways, but often mainstream because so few people actually do go into traditional faculty roles from these positions. And he spent his whole career being really, really impassioned about this concept of let's make entrepreneurship more visible and accessible um, and trailblaze for folks who are interested in uh, in this pathway. He did things like create the MIT Biotech Group, which didn't exist before and now has like thousands of members. He helped uh, create new courses, opportunities for students to get internships while at MIT to see what this stuff was all about. Just a huge amount of infrastructure that he built while he was there. And one of the things that he, you know, we became real thought partners with each other. And one of the things he asked me to do while this was maybe year two of being at MIT was, hey, I'm starting this student club for, you know, students interested in, in, in biotech. I need a staff advisor. Would you be it? And I was like, well, I don't really know anything about the biotech industry. And he's like, yeah, but you, the way you think, I want your thinking. And I was like, okay. So I like, you know, got involved with the biotech group from day one as a sort of support system for them and help them think about growing and scaling their organization the way that I, you know, thought about growing and scaling the communication lab. And there was a lot of things that I had learned that was very helpful from that experience that I was able to give them some guidance. And over the years, I stayed in close contact with Tony. And when he graduated, he came up with this idea that, you know, there's this really big opportunity. You know, Boston is, as I said, the world headquarters for the biotech industry. And there are all these talented folks who want to start companies. And there's a, a real gap that we could fill. And he approached Jamie Goldstein, who is actually not related to me, but he is the one of the founding partners of Pillar VC, which is a Boston-based seed and pre-seed uh, venture capital firm, tech at large, sector agnostic, incredible group of people. And he said, hey, there's this opportunity. Could we build something together? And they said, absolutely, let's let's try this out. And so Pillar gave Tony the initial funding to launch this idea of, of Petrie, this idea of what if we created sort of a first step for technical founders to help them learn what they need to learn to transition from academia into a career path in, in entrepreneurship and, and, and starting and launching their own companies. And uh, one of the things that Tony did as an early step was he brought in some of the world's experts because so much of entrepreneurship, it is not innate. It is a learned skill set. And a huge piece of what makes entrepreneurs successful is having access to connections and like apprenticeship, you know, people who have been there and done that, who can open doors and explain, ah, I was there too. Let me, let me help you with this. Or, oh, I know someone who can help you. And so we have these, these people called co-founders. They're like George Church, Daphne Kohler, Emily LaProust, all of these incredible names in the industry who have said, yeah, we do need to disrupt this space with new types of founders and new types of businesses. And we, we want to help launch this model to help sort of burst open this bubble and get get new folks into the space and new ideas and new companies that that this world needs. And Tony said, would you be interested in, in joining me as hire number one? And gosh, was that exciting for me. I didn't pursue this. Tony came to me and said, like, would you come do this with me? And it was such a compelling proposition. Plus, I do love building and I love building with people that I respect and um you know, really think the world of, of Tony. So I thought, you know, if he's willing to put his neck on the line to do this, I want to help. And so I started literally the first day of uh, the COVID shutdowns. So it was not ideal timing there. 
but we uh, we started and and we've now brought in just I think twelve companies and we brought them from almost nothing to now twenty three million in follow on funding and it's growing really quickly. Human health sustainability the model really works and so Pillar said hey I think we've seen that this thing works there's a there there let's be one team and so you're going to see some new branding coming out soon that's going to make it clearer to folks that Petri and Pillar are in fact the same thing. Petrie is the early stage bioaccelerator program within the Pillar uh, portfolio. There's a lot of follow-on support and collaboration, and it's it's incredible to be part of and now both teams moving fluidly between to support founders and, and, and growth in this area. I'd love to hear on your perspective of what Pillar and Petri are doing in order to bring a little bit of more of equity and diversity into the space as well. You know, as you heard from our discussion earlier, I did not think that venture capital was like my pathway. And when I came in, I had previously worked on pretty much only women teams. At Harvard, my team was all women. At MIT, my team was all women. Prior to that, I'd spent most of my career in the education sector, which is predominantly women. Uh, When I came in, to Petri, it was the first time in my life I was the only woman in the room and it was stark. And I said to my teammates, you know, what's going on here? Like, this is really like, I don't get it. Like, what's, I don't like, what, what, where did the women go? What's, what's happening? And they'd be like, I know we like, we need more women, but we don't know where they are and how to find them. And so I really took it upon myself that like, I want to fix this. I want to figure out what I can do to be helpful. And this was also pronounced for, you know, during the pandemic, I have a a son who was not able to go to school because of the pandemic. And so being a mother and caregiver and on top of it all just made my being a woman just felt like even more pronounced for me uh, at that moment. And as I was juggling behind the scenes, you know, a thousand things that they couldn't see every day. And they were incredibly compassionate and supportive about it. I mean, big time. But I figured that it probably took a woman to do some figuring out, not a man, of like what's going on in this space. And so I started uh, interviewing women founders. Uh, what do you need? How can I help you? What's 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 getting in your way? What what's if we were to do something to be most useful to you? What what would it be? And I did uh, you know a similar process that I've done in every startup, which is rapid innovation, which is listen to customers very carefully, listen to your audience very carefully. What do you need? What do you want? And then I did experiments, rapid. What if I do this? What if I do this? What if I do this? And where could I get traction? Um, and one of the things that ended up being really successful was these office hours. I just keep a link on our website all the time, always for my women and underrepresented genders office hours. Like just always you can get my time on my calendar, period, end of story, no matter what, like just it's, it's there all the time. And I think that a lot of folks didn't know how to start the conversation and somehow seeing a, a woman or a friendly face somehow seemed less intimidating. I'm not sure, but I would often have women basically give me the soft pitch before they'd go for the, the, the hard pitch with my teammates. And that ended up being, I think, a really nice thing of people just seeing no barrier start to the conversation. Um, so those office hours ended up being really successful. Another thing I did was these small group, we call it leadership chats, basically, where other, getting a handful of women founders and CEOs that I knew 
talking with each other about the things that they were facing as first-time founders and entrepreneurs. And something really beautiful happened when you sort of created a safe space for them to be able to talk and share openly that it just, it was so helpful for them being able to ask each other resources and to sort of, with no judgment or something that happens when you get a group of just women, that, that the community that they established was really, was really supportive and helpful. And I thought, well, this, these are two really good steps in the right direction, but it's not, it's not, I'm not going to be happy with just this. I want to do something bigger. And that's when I got the idea for this idea of, of a summit. And we did this wave summit back in June, where we put a call out there and we said, you know, we want to support women in underrepresented genders, uh, launching companies in bio. And we did a, um, you know, nominate someone that you think is, you know, emerging in this space who the world should watch. And one of the things I wanted to do was I really thought strategically about all the things that we could do if we had a big spotlight on just women and underrepresented genders for like, uh, you know, and it is just, it's not intended to be a moment. It's an ongoing commitment, but this event was like the kickoff of what could we do? And so uh, we had some incredible Sangeeta Bhatia uh, Julian Guthrie, who's a New York Times bestselling author of Alpha Girls and, 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 and Sangeeta Bhatia, who is like, she's launched five companies out of MIT at this point. So they were there to really show the model of like, their, what, what would it look like to be successful in the space? And then we had a whole bunch of emerging women talk about some tactics of how do you, how do you functionally get started on those first steps? And then we boosted a whole bunch of about 21 women who are up and coming into this space and asked the community what can you do to help these women and these underrepresented gendered um, founders build? Uh, what can you offer? And I personally met with every single one of them and said, what do you need? How can I help you? And often they were like, I would love to talk to so-and-so. Do you have a connection? And I'd be like, done. Um, and it was like the best thing ever to be able to help them. Uh, and I continued to meet with them as a group monthly. One of the reasons I wanted to do this was because when you talk to a woman founder, you notice that they, they have like two or three really close people, other women founders that they know, but then, then they're an island and they don't know there's another cluster over here and there's another cluster over there. And what I wanted to start doing was connecting the dots for them so that there was this broader network of, you know, incredibly talented folks who are starting companies and that could be a community of support for each other. And it, it, it feels like it's starting to happen slowly as these women refer their friends into the community and refer their, you know, their friends into the community. And it's slowly but surely happening where, um, you know, we've got a really nice group that are in the same space building. I plan on doing way more in the future with uh, Pillar and Petrie, but it was really fantastic to see the ecosystem step up together to say this is a really important issue and what can we collectively do to be helpful, whether it's a micro movement, being an ally for someone, whether it's a macro movement um, of really changing strategy or shifting your approach. It really generated a lot of really positive conversations and a lot of actions. And one of the things that I'm, I'm so proud of is that from this event, one of our amazing venture associates who's working for us, she uh, I should say they came forward as a, uh, as a, as a person who identifies as, as they, um, and said, you know, because of this work, I felt like I wanted to come and work with you all and explore this career pathway. And I didn't think that this was always a, a safe space for folks who are like me. 
And so that made me really excited to hear that, you know, the students who are listening, the folks who are in the audience, it was a clear signal that you are wanted in this ecosystem and there's a place for you here. We would love to hear, Jay, what is your vision of where entrepreneurship and venture capital is going or the ideal of where it should go? And how can we give women part of Thea's community work towards that? I want it to be one where it is uh, an equal pathway for anyone of any background, of any gender, of any identity, that, you know, this is a really awesome, clear and viable pathway and that, you know, it shouldn't be harder for, for anybody. It should just be hard because entrepreneurship is hard. It shouldn't be harder for anybody. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to lie and say it's easy to start a company. It's not, but, um, but it should be equally hard, not for, for certain groups or cultures or identities. So that, that is the vision, right? Is that, and, and a big piece of it is, like I said, I you know, would love to open up the newspaper and be inspired by all the incredible solutions that some of the best and brightest and most creative people are working on. You know, like that, that's the vision. And, and how do we get there? A huge piece of it is all these things like modeling for those who have made it and are successful. Like, what does it look like to be successful in this space? And how do you uh, show people the pathway to get there? How do you, if you're in a position to be able to enable and support other people's, what do you do? Can you be an ally? Can you change your strategy? Can you mentor someone else? Can you make a commitment to having, you know, 50% of the people in every panel be a certain gender or identity or making sure that everything you do, it can't be something that's a token uh, task that you check off once a year, we've done this thing. It needs to be embedded in the thinking and the thought process of everything you do, every event, every uh, call to action, every web page, everything needs to be a place where people see themselves reflected in, um, in the calls to action and feel like they're a part of this community and welcome and wanted. I think it takes like it's not it's not a quick fix. It's a complex problem that involves layers of different people and institutions and you know all of that. But everyone has a has a place to play in in figuring out how to make this better. Everything, including uh, encouraging women and underrepresented genders to take that first step and that leap, because I feel like so often there's all this you know data. I, I don't have a specific article or anything or person, but I, I believe there's quite a bit of data out there that women often wait until they are qualified for every part of a job before they apply for it, right? And entrepreneurship is one where like, there is no real job description and, and there's no boxes to check off. And so I feel like I want to say to every, uh, every woman who's listening, you have it, give that, give it a, give it a, a step in the right direction, because nobody's qualified for this job, really. It's it's really just having a lot of guts and courage to take that leap and you're as qualified as everybody else. Thank you all for listening. Visit us on Instagram at Thea Healthcare, on Twitter at TheaHC, and on our website at TheaHC.org for more content and to join our vibrant community of young professionals, entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders in healthcare. 
Special thanks to our amazing audio editors, Ellie Park, Asim Jane, Nikita Gupta, and Katie Donahue. If you're enjoying our content, please consider supporting our podcast by donating at anchor.fm slash thea-hc slash support.